I'll get right to it. How y'all living? What's going on? How was that weekend? Welcome to the program. My name is Jim Rome. We are live in Southern California like we are every Monday through Friday. Nice to be with you. Let's get it. Lots to get done. The Monday recap. We got pro ball. We got college ball. We got NBA. We got the World Series. Got some great interviews. Big head bets. Lots to cover. Let's get at it. Let me start you off with your telephone number. As you know, it's toll-free, 1-800-636-8686. Get up in here right now. Use it, 1-800-636-8686. Follow me on Twitter, slash the X, at Jim Rome, R-O-M-E. Or go ahead and email me at Rome, R-O-M-E, at haveatake.com. So, phones are open right now. First interview is at 940 Pacific Time, former Super Bowl champ. Jason McCourty is joining us. Coming up in the middle of hour number two. Not very often that I bring somebody back that I've already done within the past month or so, but not very often that you see a big in-season trade like the one Philadelphia made with Tennessee. Kevin Byard is going to join me. He had a good first game. The Eagles get that win over the Commanders. Kevin Byard at 1040. The big head. James Kelly and I break down tonight's game. Interesting matchup. Another tough gambling matchup. Who you got? We'll get into it tonight. Lions, Raiders, both coming off bad losses. It's a big number, and it's a big number with a hook. Not crazy about that hook. Man, there were some bad beats this weekend again, weren't there? ATP in the middle of hour number three. So once again, one 636 8686 Would love to hear from you. Maybe you're one of those people who always listens, never calls. Think, yeah, man, I just don't think I'm pulled off. But there's something I want to say. Do it today. What's the worst thing that could happen? The JTP mocks you. Millions of people hear you or see you flame. <laughs> who cares? Man, come and get some. Let's do it. Loser. There are worse things than that, right? I'll give you an example. Say you make a phone call and you get run. And you hang up the phone. And all of a sudden, the X goes crazy on you. Are you still above ground? Good. It's fine. You still win. You nearly need or only need to be above the ground. And it's a win. You won the day. All right. So what I'm getting at is get up in here. Get up in here. Albie, don't. Don't. Don't do it, Albie. Don't do that. All right, anyway, let's get into it. Week 8. Hey, do you remember when the Bengals were struggling? Struggling. Do you remember when Joe Burrow looked nothing like himself? Do you remember when my main man, Lou Anarumo's defense, also looked nothing like itself? Sidebar, quickly. Full stop. How about the talking heads going on and on about Lou? Lou's going to be a head coach. Yeah, no kidding. Name Lou Anarumo. I've been on my man Lou Anarumo for years. I love him. Hell yes, he's going to be a head coach. Anyway, do you remember when his defense also looked nothing like itself? Remember when the Niners were an unstoppable winning machine with a quarterback who was undefeated in games where his elbow did not explode. Do you remember all that? It was only a few weeks ago, right? Do you remember all that? Neither do I. Man, that feels like not a few weeks ago, but a long, long time ago. 
It's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league, and lately the Niners have been taking dumps in their pants. That's what they've done lately. And lately, the Bengals have looked like the Bengals once again. And more importantly, Joey B looks like Joey B yet again, which is why the Bengals look like the Bengals again. Oh, and one more reason. The Jack Savage streak is alive. They're 2-0 when he's in attendance. So, when Joey Burr is healthy, and Joey Burr is moving well, and Joey Burr is making plays like he did in the first quarter, and Jack Savage is showing up to see it, the Natty is awfully tough to hang with. For anybody, and for anybody who still doubts that, just point them to yesterday's tape. You could even just point them to this very play. And from the pocket, Burrow now stepping back, trying to find some breathing room, and it's still alive as he throws, and it's caught by Higgins. What a sensational play. Seriously, I'm pretty sure that Frisco fan and Frisco player knew right then and there that it was going to be a long Frisco day. Hey, Frisco fan. Hey, Frisco fan. You had to know right then what time it was, right? Because that right there is the real Joe Burrow. The real Joe Burrow is still one of the best players in the NFL and one of the baddest dudes around and one of the coolest dudes around. And I'll let Jamar Chase get even more colorful with the description because my guy is not wrong. I actually made a comment on that mid play. I was like, damn, that's a tough motherfucker. You know what I'm saying? So, like, hey, for real, man. Hey, for real, man is right. Hey, for real, man. He is that. It's true. For real. It is so true that you can easily get away with a full MF bomb in your postgame media scrum because everybody in that scrum just had to sit there nodding in agreement. Like, for real, man. Hey, for real, man. Was somebody going to challenge him on that? Is there anybody anywhere who would take exception to that? Maybe if you don't like the language, but not the sentiment, not the merit, not the substance, not the fact, not the take. That was a legit performance by the Bengals and the Bengals quarterback and the Bengals defense against one of the best teams in the NFL in their house, except all of a sudden the Niners don't suddenly look like one of the best teams in the league. And Big Clock Brock no longer looks like a dude who can do no wrong. Because actually, frankly, he's doing quite a bit wrong. Although I'm not totally sure how much of that yesterday was his fault. Turns out rushing Purdy back from a concussion in six days to start against the Bengals was not the best idea. Especially with a bye week coming up. And man, do the Niners ever need that bye week. I'm not sure I've ever seen a team this good limp this hard into a bye. And Brock better use that bye to get right because right now Frisco is all bleeped up. All bleeped up. And not just offensively either. What the hell happened to that defense? But, but, if there's any consolation, Frisco was not the only contender that took a big dump in their pants yesterday. Looking at you, KC. I guess it was bound to happen after 16 straight dubs over Denver. Broncos country, you did it. Broncos country, you're finally riding. 
And no, I did not pick them to win that game. The 16-game Kansas City winning streak over Denver is finally over. It's finally done. A streak that dated all the way back to 2015. Finally done. Patrick, this is crazy. I don't know if you're aware of this stat. Patrick Mahomes finally lost a road game in division for the first time in his entire career. The hell is that? Like, I thought the guy was going to go his entire career without ever losing a game in division. And what did it take? All it took was the flu. Not taking anything away from the Broncos, but Mahomes did have the flu. He looked and played like he had the flu. And then on the other side, Russet Potato Wilson once again did not play like a sack of potatoes. He actually played pretty well again. In fact, Russet... Russett has the fourth best passer rating in the NFL right now, if you can believe that. I mean, be honest. Did you see that guy resurrecting himself and playing that well this year? I didn't. And the dude that he's right behind is none other than Kirk Cousins, a.k.a. the dude that just blew out his Achilles in the middle of arguably his best season ever. This dude was playing lights out on a team that had put itself back in contention, and he's a free agent to be. Man, I know a Vikings fan is used to misery. Hell, Vikings better is used to misery. I know a Vikings fan is used to kicks in the stick. I know it's all D and B. So much of the time for Vikings fan, which is why I totally understand how miserable You have to be right now. How frustrating that Cousins injury is. I mean, Vikings fan can't even enjoy that total ass-kicking they put on the pack in Lambeau yesterday. Nor can Vikings fan enjoy the three wins in a row and the four in the last five games and the season theoretically hopping right back on the rails over the past few weeks. They can't because what are they going to do at quarterback? Now all they can think about is, Who the hell is going to play quarterback for the rest of the season? And look, I've got absolutely nothing. Nothing against Jaron Hall. He's been in the jungle before. Good dude. And it is pretty incredible that he won the Minnesota backup job in the first place. However, he is a fifth-round rookie. And it is a big, big ask to run that guy out there, shove him into the fire, and tell him the expectation is to compete for a playoff spot which is exactly what the expectation for Minnesota was right up until Cousins snapped his Achilles. Bad break. The only silver lining here, if there is any, is there's still time before tomorrow's trade deadline, right? There's time, but are there options? Are there good options? I mean, Ryan Tannehill? Try and run it back with Case Keenum? Sign Colt McCoy off the street. Not good options. Not good options. And hearing all that, I'm guessing it makes Vikings fan want to start screaming like LaFib. I I don't know if that was Kirk letting out that roar when the Achilles snapped. Or if that was Vikings fan upon realizing that Kirk was done. I don't know. I know this, losing your starter is miserable. There's no way around that, especially playing as well as he had. 
Then you have the two teams in New York. They know all about losing their starting QB. Damn. (laughs) Damn, New York. That was one hell of a battle for NYC yesterday. Step back for a minute. I mean, you know, it, it, it actually never happened, whatever it is, unless it happens in New York, right? Everything in New York is the most important thing ever. Everything in New York is bigger than anything ever. So what do you think the battle for New York City represents? How enormous must that be? How big must that be? How great would that crown feel? I won the battle of New York. For the person who could say that. Yeah, well, did you see that game yesterday? That was some hell of a hideous battle for NYC. I mean, really, who knew... Two brutal teams playing a truly terrible game could be so entertaining. Well, at least as long as you're not Brian Dable. Bob Sala, of course, loved it. Over the last 10 years or so, it hasn't been all peaches and cream around here, but uh, to say you're king of New York for at least one more year is pretty cool. No, no, Bob. It hasn't been all peaches and cream around here for the last 10 years. And to tell you the truth, it really wasn't all peaches and cream for the first 59 minutes of that game either, brah. Peaches and cream. It's great to say that you're the king of New York, but right about now, that's not saying a hell of a lot, is it? But as ugly as that game was yesterday, and I have no idea, honestly, how the Jets trailed for so much of that game, but in a way, it really doesn't matter. I have no idea how the Jets managed to get to four and three. Think about that. They were left for dead when Aaron went down. Somehow, someway, they're 4-3 with the Coog Hunter under center. So you got to give Robert Receipts a lot of credit. For real. Even if he basically got handed the game yesterday. How did Brian Dable go from the smartest guy ever to what he is now? I don't know what he or the Giants were doing at the end of the game, but I know this much. This actually is my favorite stat of the weekend. They had a 99.7% chance to win, according to ESPN stats and info, when Graham Gano trotted out on the field to try a 35-yard field goal with 28 seconds left on fourth and one. 99.7% chance of winning. The Giants could just try to get that yard, and then the game would have been over. Or they could have made that chip shot field goal and the game pretty much was over. The only thing they couldn't do was butcher the kick and then let Coog Hunter come up the field on two plays, spike the ball with only one second left. And of course, that's exactly what happened. The 0.3% chance happened. The Coog Hunter did almost nothing in that game until the game was on the line and then the CH came alive. The CH did almost nothing, nothing, but the Giants QBs actually did nothing in that game. You know, the Giants passed for minus nine yards in the game. They did less than nothing. I take it back. The quarterbacks didn't do nothing. They did less than nothing and still could have won and still should have won. You imagine throwing from minus nine yards in a game and still winning? They should have. After swapping in for a badly injured Terod Taylor, and again, I like this dude. Have you ever seen a dude with worse luck 
than Terod Taylor. Tommy DeVito played more than two quarters and passed for minus one yards in more than a full half of football. And don't come in here with some stupid Danny DeVito joke. But if you really want to know a stat that tells you everything you need to know about the battle for NYC, check this stat out. The game had 23 points total and 24 punts total. 24 punts in a pro football game. More punts than points in the so-called battle for NYC. The most punts in a game since 1988. I'm sure the Jets will tell you, man, we don't give a damn how it looks. You know how it looks? It looks four and three. I mean, yeah, scoreboard. But how the hell did they win that game? And, and those are not the only numbers, the minus yards passing. I mean, the numbers are incredible. If somebody had shown you a stat sheet and said, who do you think won? Here's 500 bucks. Put it on the side of the team that you think won. Every last person in the world, and I don't mean 99.7%, I mean 100%, would have put the money on the Giants, and they still lost. As far as the opening whip around, there's no way I end the whip around without shouting out to Duval. She does it better than me. Neeks, hit it again. Love it. Don't look now, but Miss Nika's Jags are 6-2. They just went into Pittsburgh, and they snatched, literally. And believe me, this is a reason to go. This is a reason to go. Somebody's lucky they didn't lose an eye or a nose or an ear or all the above. They were snatching terrible towels away from the Steelers. Check that. The fans while snatching a win away from the Steelers. Massive win for the Jags. I don't care what you say about Pittsburgh. I don't care how ugly it's been for them. That is still a massive win for the Jags and a rough loss for the Steelers. However, however, the ref show got it even worse than the Steelers themselves because Deontay Johnson absolutely lit the ref show on fire after the game. We can't keep playing about the refs. Like Coach T said, you can't worry about the rest or whatever, but everybody's different. I don't know. I ain't like the rest today. Like, they must have got paid good today or something, but they blew. They, that field goal, that, that hurt us coming into the half. Like, we needed that. Like, we would have been tied. And they got the ball back. We would have got the ball back right there again. Probably scored. Who knows? That, that field goal hurt us. You ticked about the roughing the passer calls? Yes. They was calling some stupid stuff. Like, they should get fined for calling back. Back making worse, terrible calls and stuff like that. Like, that's how pissed I am, like, because we, they cost us the game. I don't care what nobody says. They cost us the game. Like, like yeah, I got to make plays. Them two plays, them catches, whatever, but that don't define, you know what I'm saying, the whole game. One more, guys. How about them missing the call on Kenny where he hurt his ribs look like he got rough there? Man, they wanted them to win, bro. They was calling. Everything was in their favor. Like, they were getting every little call. Like, but it is what it is. But we can't, I, like I said, I ain't, I'm moving on from it. Like, I'm ready for Thursday. Yeah, it is what it is, all right. The biggest takedown of the ref show I think I've ever heard. I love when he said that, man, they should be fined for making bad calls. Probably they won't, but my man, you will be. I love how he started that with, can't keep complaining about the refs, but 
let me go on the greatest tirade ever about the refs. About how the refs, quote, got paid good today. About how the refs, quote, cost us the game. About how, quote, the refs wanted them to win. And they wanted them to win. Bro. They was calling. Everything was in their favor. Must be the biggest Jags fans ever. The ref show. And no disrespect. But here comes some serious disrespect. I don't fish on a boat. I fish on a boat. I don't fish on boats, okay, Matt? I fish on a, on a boat. Listen, dude. We all pretty much hate the ref show. But this dude might hate the ref show more than anybody else. I've heard some strong clapbacks on the refs, but nothing like this. I mean, dude almost said, all but said, they were on the take. He did say they cost us the game. He did say they wanted them to win. And they got paid good today. That's what I mean when I say they were allegedly on the take. My man, get your checkbook out because you're about to scratch one of the fattest checks ever for clapping back on the refs. They must have got paid good today or something. Incredible. Let me circle back really quickly. If you had asked me before the game what it would take for the Chiefs to lose to the Broncos, Mahomes having the flu would have just been the tip of the iceberg. I would have also included Mahomes having leprosy, polio, COVID, Mahomes? an amputation of both legs, three broken fingers on his throwing hand. And yet somehow they still lost. I trust the Broncos about as much as Dable trusts Tommy DeVito to throw a forward pass. I would still take Tarod on a stretcher with bad lungs and the inability to breathe over a healthy Daniel Jones. Saquon, my man, triple up on the cold plunge. Enjoy the 75 carries a game that you're going to get for the rest of the season. You want the rock? You got the rock. F*** you to the Giants. What a game that was. All right, additionally, I've got more thoughts on the NFL. I can't, I can never get in all of my thoughts on a weekend of the NFL in the opening block, even on a long opening block. I've got more. In fact, I want to talk about Kirk Cousins and what that means to him, what that means to them, what a bad break that was. Definitely have thoughts on college football. Interesting weekend. And you know how I made fun when our son Logan Rome still lived at home and he played his senior year of high school baseball. He just got it in his head that, man, I got to gain weight. And it's true. Logan was very skinny. And then he entered into what he told me was bulk season. All this kid did was lift and eat, lift and eat. Now, that's actually not true. Lift, eat, and sleep. Lift, eat, and sleep. Actually, that's not true. Eat, lift, and sleep. Eat, lift, and sleep. That was bulk season. Do not confuse fat season with bulk season. Fat season is underway for at least one potential superstar, or it should be. So we'll talk about fat season. So what do you have to say? Obviously, we're putting it in. What are you doing to make it better? 1-800-636-8686. Jason McCourty at 940. Kevin Byard at 1040. James Kelly at 11 straight up. 
So now your ideas do not have to wait. They have everything they need to come to life, whether they are big ideas, small ideas, or anything in between, because Dell Technologies and Intel are creating technology that loves ideas, technology that loves expanding your business and evolving your passions. We push what technology can do so great ideas can happen right now. Find out how to bring your ideas to life at Dell.com slash welcome to now. You're listening to The Jim Rome Show. All right, so really quickly, some reaction to maybe a phone call before I go to break. And this guy, don't act like I didn't know this. Hey, Jim. The Ravens also had a 99.7% chance of covering the spread. Insert Aguilar. Urgh! Ass hands Aguilar. Came along with his butterfingers and screwed up a routine onside kick recovery. How in the hell do you give up 18 points with six minutes left? SMH. Roman in San Diego. Dude, preach. We know. We know. The head and I know. Every single time, I'll give you the kiss of death. Every single time I hype a team up on Monday, coming off a great Sunday performance, and say, you know what, hey, by the way, they're the ones to beat. Or, hey, you know what, they're in the conversation. They melt down the following week. Last week, we we were all, quote, ready to crown their ass. And then they melt down. So, you believe me, I'm well aware of that, dude. I know. Let's get a phone call in quickly. We go to New York. Mike in New York. What's going on, Mike? How are you? Jim, how you doing? Thanks for taking my call. You got a great show. I noticed in the headlines today and even on your show, Zach's taking it on the chin at MetLife for the Snoopy ball here. But he outperformed two quarterbacks. And I looked up the record. Um, minus nine is not a, a record uh, passing yards. It's for four quarters, the Browns did it, but for five quarters, it is. The defense held them to minus nine yards passing. Shame on the Giants for putting a product out there that cannot throw in the rain. That's ridiculous. This is not a military academy game. No disrespect to them. But you got to be able to throw the ball. Zach outperformed. A punter outperformed. A kicker outperformed. The best player on the Giants should have went for it on fourth and one. They gave it to a kicker who missed a field goal earlier, and they expect him to hit another field goal in the rain and miss that. Gave the opportunity to Jets to win, and the rest is history. Hey, I got you, Mike. I appreciate you. Now, what you could have done is just said to me, hey, Rome, scoreboard, look up at it. And that would have been your phone call. But I hear you. I hear you. Listen, I didn't come to bury Zach Wilson. I came to bury both teams. That was a horrible game, all right? Hideous. And Zach didn't... First of all, Zach made plays when he had to. Credit for that. He did nothing before he had to, but he made plays when he had to. But forgive me for not getting overly excited about them getting a win over a team that was playing its third-string quarterback that most of the world had never heard of, and they threw for minus nine yards, and they still had a chance to win it and should have won it. But Zach did what he had to do. In fact, the matter is, they don't give a damn how it looks. And I would even argue they're in the wild card conversation. They are. So no, I didn't come here to bury him. But let's not act like he's Joe Namath. 
Let's not act like this guy played a hell of a game. Yeah! Let's not act like this guy got that team on his back and they just delivered a beatdown. The guy did nothing for most of the game. However, he did get it done. Credit for that. I'm not here to bury him. No, notice what I said. He came up big when the Giants gave him another opportunity. I'm just saying that was hideous. For the Battle of NYC? That? Who even wants that crown if that's what it looks like? 1-800-636-8686. Hey, Rome, that New York, New York game was exactly what the bleep-talking New York fans deserve. Straight garbage. More punts than points? Yeah, you know Jets fan is convinced this is the start of something. Still delusional. Dino in Vegas. Hey, Dino, that's rich. Dino, who would know delusional better than you? You know, delusional like thinking that this was a good idea. I can't wait. Hardly wait. That ain't Dino. Who knows more about delusional than you? If you're going to call somebody or something else delusional, you would know best. After all, you thought this was a good idea. I can't wait to erase that from my hard drive because I can't. All right, I got to get out, like, right this second. When we come back, hey, Mike in New York, appreciate you, dude. Always good to hear from a New Yorker talking about the Battle of NYC. Jason McCourty joins. Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show on CBS Sports Radio. What's cracking? A tremendous Monday to you. Welcome back. I'm Jim Rome. Coming up next hour, Kevin Byard of the Eagles. But as promised, we are joined right now by a former NFL cornerback. He spent 13 years in the league playing for the Titans, the Browns, the Patriots, and the Dolphins. He won a Super Bowl with the Patriots in 2019. He is a CBS Sports NFL and college football analyst, a Westwood One Sports NFL analyst, co-host of NFL Network's Good Morning Football, also has a podcast with his brother. We are joined now by Jason McCourty. Jason, obviously, I could tell how busy you are, so I really appreciate you making time. What's up, man? How are you? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Really good to have you, and I appreciate you. So let me start with the Bengals, if you don't mind. They had their best win of the year. I mean, they dictated terms. They took it right to the 49ers. In your opinion, is Joe Burrow officially back, and is Cincinnati now officially back? Oh, yeah, no doubt about it. And I think when you say is Joe Burrow back, when you watch that game Sunday, you see him scrambling. There was a play where he bought about 15 seconds, it felt like, as he's moving around the pocket, then gets to the outside and finds T. Higgins. But he had 43 yards rushing. That's something that we typically don't always see from Joe Burrow, and we definitely hadn't seen it so far this season. But I think what was as impressive as Joe Burrow was finding Jamar Chase and all of those guys, Joe Mixon, Lou Anarumo on the defensive side of the ball, what he was able to do in the second half to the 49ers and to Brock Purdy, limiting him to just 17 points, I think was equally as impressive. Their defense has been really good. Trey Hendrickson coming off the edge doesn't get a ton of credit, and no one talks about him as an edge rusher, as they do some of the other guys, the Miles Garrett, the TJ Watts, but he's been special this season. He's wrecking havoc no matter who he's going against. Jason, I'm so glad you brought him up. Lou is one of my favorite guys in the league. Like, I love this guy. I absolutely love this guy. Any doubt in your mind that he should be an NFL head coach? 
thought he was going to be one this past season with the Arizona Cardinals. As he interviewed, he went through that process. They ended up going with John Gannon, who's done a pretty good job. I know that it hasn't equaled wins for Arizona, but they've been in every game. I got to imagine this cycle coming around, Lou Anaromo is going to be somebody that is at the top of everybody's list. And I, I expect him to be a head coach. I mean, you, he limited Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills last year. What he's been able to do over the years at Patrick Mahomes and that Kansas City Chiefs offense, he continues to come up with ways. And even this year, Jesse Bates, Von Bell, two safeties that led a lot for them in the secondary. Both of those guys move on in free agency. And now we're watching uh, uh, we're watching the bright, the Taylor Britt at cornerback. We're watching the young guys kind of come up. DJ Turner from Michigan. These guys are out there making plays, and he's putting his guys in position to be successful. Jason McCourty joining us. All right, Jason, what about the Niners? Obviously, they've been hit hard by injuries, but given that they've lost three in a row, what concerns you more, Brock Purdy's level of play or their defense suddenly dropping off the way it has? I'll say the defense. I think when you look at the San Francisco 49ers, Brock Purdy's been really good, and I think he's gotten a lot of the media attention. We're talking about him for a long time. He hadn't thrown an interception. This guy hadn't lost a game that he has started and finished. I don't know what the streak was, but it went from all the way from last year to the beginning of this year. But this is a team that is built on running the football and their defense. Their defense, they early on in the season, they were beating people by an average of 20 points per game. And, yes, the offense was putting up 30. But a lot of that was the defense was going out there and they were playing some football. They get after the quarterback. They were covering people up in the secondary. They have, they have an all-pro at every level, from Bosa to Frederick Warner to Talanoa Hufunga. They have guys all over that defense. And we watched a Monday night. Kirk Cousins was carving them up. Threw him for over 300 some yards, wasn't sacked at all in that game. And then we come back to this game and we're watching the Cincinnati Bengals. And as good as Joe Burrow was, they had over 130 yards rushing the ball with Joe Mixon at the running back position. So for them to be the team that they need to be, to be one of the best teams in the NFC and to possibly be able to get back to a conference championship game, it's going to be lean. They're going to lean on that defense heavy and they're going to have to show up. And the secondary is giving up some plays. Oliver in the slot gave up two touchdowns yesterday. So there's some things that they're going to have to show up, but I think it starts and it ends with their defense. Jason McCourty doing what he does, joining us on the program. Jason, what about Philadelphia? Like I'm looking at the Eagles and they're seven and one, but more impressive to me is not that they're seven and one, but how they're seven and one. It's so interesting. Like they're airing it out. What do you make of Philadelphia essentially pounding it out and running their way to the Super Bowl last year, while this year it seems like A.J. Brown goes off for 125-plus almost every single week? Setting NFL records, A.J. Brown with 125 yards plus. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles have been impressive. That's like when you get in an argument with your wife, and it's like no matter what, she just always happens to win the argument. And that's what the Eagles have been. No matter what, they find a way to win the football game. And it doesn't matter. This past game, Sunday, you go out there, they fumbled the ball twice within the five-yard line. They gave up almost 400 yards passing to Sam Howell on the offensive side of the ball for them. But then when it mattered most, they made the play. Reed Blankenship comes away with an interception. Jalen Hurst throws a touchdown pass to Julio Jones, wearing number 80 for the Philadelphia Eagles. Kyle Brand on our show this morning said it almost felt like a Halloween costume. Julio Brown dressed up as an Eagles player. And then Hassan Reddick comes away with a sack fumble on a fourth down play. So I think what's been impressive to me most is, to your point, Jim, they're airing it out. They're running the ball with Swift in the backfield. But no matter what happens throughout the course of the game, the Eagles find a way to come out on top. Be sure and tell KB I said what's up. Jason McCourty joining us. Jason, let me ask you this. Jalen Ramsey 
made an immediate impact in his Dolphins debut coming off that knee injury. You could speak to this as well as anybody can. If he's available and he's near right, how will his addition impact the entire dynamic of that defense going forward? Oh, it's huge. And Bradley Chubb, after the game, talked about not only him being back and his physical play on the field, but he said his energy, he said his presence, what he brings. He said as soon as he was out there and he was playing with those guys, he said it's almost as if he brought everybody else's level to where you there's a new standard in the room. You have to play to a championship level. But I think it's huge when you have guys on the outside that can cover and that are physical and tough, like a guy like Jalen Ramsey, it helps Big Fangio so much in how he's calling the defense. And I think along with Jalen Ramsey coming back, they're hopeful that Xavier Howard on the other side, who's missed the past two games with a groin injury. You can get those two guys both back out there all preseason. All we talked about was they may have the best cornerback duo in the NFL. And we've yet to see a game with both of those guys on the outside because that allows Cater Cole to be the slot, which we've seen him have to line up outside a few times throughout this season because of injury. So I think that changed the entire dynamic of this defense for which Big Fangio can call, how he can maybe pressure and do different things because he has guys on the outside that can cover. Jason, I want to ask you something. I want to kind of go sidebar for a minute because I want to talk to you about your mindset. Now, before social media and new media became so prevalent, athletes used to hit me up all the time when they were still playing and say, I want to get into broadcasting when I'm done playing. Do you have any advice for me? And I would tell them all the same exact thing. It may not be the same thing as your playing days, but you have to attack it the same way. You have to prepare and train for it like an athlete getting ready for the next game or a huge game, even if it's not that you have to respect the process and attack that process you and your brother obviously understand that I don't want to speak for you but what's your headspace when it comes to your second career how would you describe your mindset and the way you go about preparing and executing now oh Jim you said it. it's about the process and you can't treat that any differently yes you're preparing a different way it's less physical more mental uh, but for me, I look at my career in the league and all I did was transferred into the new journey and a new goal of mine and a new passion. I was a guy that was drafted at the end of the sixth round and I had to work my butt off to make the team and then to maintain and be able to play for as long as I did. And I looked at this as such a great opportunity of getting a chance to be on Good Morning Football and then Westwood One asking me to call games and now this year doing some for CBS. And I felt so kind of humbled and honored that someone else would believe in me to do those things that I didn't want to let them down. So I've just tried to continue to put my head down and work. And then probably the best piece that I've been able to do is learn from the people around me. Uh, I sit at that desk every single day with Jamie Erdahl, Peter Schrager, and Kyle Brandt. And I learn from them, whether I'm asking them questions or I'm just watching the way they work. I take so many different things away from them. This year, doing games on CBS, calling some with Ross Tucker. I get an opportunity to watch Ross and ask him questions on how he prepares or throughout the course of the game, seeing how he operates. Last year, I got a chance to call games with Iron Eagle for Westwood One, and I'm asking Iron a thousand questions and being able to learn from him. So I think no different than when I was in the NFL. You get in, you find a veteran, and you pick their brain, and you watch the way they do things. I've done the same now in my post-playing days careers in the sports media thing, and I'm learning. But you're right, man. It's, it's hard work. My wife sometimes looks at me like, I thought you're supposed to be retired. What's going on here? But I think our marriage works better 
when I go out the house and then I come home, the family's happier to see me. <laughs> That's it, man. My, my man, you get it. You get it. And it's it, it sounds so logical, but the fact of the matter is not everybody who had the career that you had, 13 years in the NFL and a Super Bowl ring, would treat this second career the way you are. You absolutely get it. Listen, I really appreciate it. I know how busy you are. Great to have you on the show, Jason. Great insight, and I do appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Oh, thanks for having me, man. Anytime. Jason McCourty joining us. That's good, good intel. Good energy, good information, good takes. I love it, and I love that mindset. That's how you go about it, man. Attack every opportunity. Be grateful for every opportunity, and pick up something whenever you can from whoever you're around. That, that is just really smart. It's not. There is not any coincidence that he's doing as well as he is with a process and a mindset like that. That's why I asked that question. I asked that question because I was really curious, and the answer came back even better than I expected. Really good stuff. He and his brother both. So that's Jason McCourty. His brother works for NBC. Coming up next hour, Kevin Byard. Quick reminder, Monday is an ATP day. Ask the Pros. Brought to you by O'Reilly Auto Parts. Go to cbssportsradio.com slash askthepros. Submit your question there. Listen later on. I might answer one of yours. And think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car care needs. Get the parts and service you need fast. From the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts. All right, so we're open right now to start hour number two. You can react to any and all of this or just go in a different direction altogether. 1-800-636-8686. Hey, why don't you run to the X and find me there at Jim Rome. Email me at Rome, R-O-M-E, at haveatake.com. Kevin Byer at 1040. James Kelly and Big Hen Betts at 11 o'clock straight up. <laughs> 